time of giving, right? It's a great time where we receive gifts. How many of you are excited right now because you are expecting uh, a really good gift this Christmas? Anybody? Yeah, I see some hands up. We all love getting good gifts, don't we? Uh, I, I remember uh, when I was eight or nine, I uh, basically said to them, I wanted a drum set. And uh, I remember my mother with like sort of shock on her face and thinking, oh my goodness. Now, of course, at that point, uh, I still believed in Santa Claus, so I didn't think it was my mother who was going to be buying it for me. But uh, there was this sense of, 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 of this expectation. And so that morning I came down and there was this drum set. Of course, it wasn't a drum set like we have here. It was a, a you know, sort of a play drum set, but Within about two hours, my mother realized she made a great mistake. <laughs> and it wasn't too long before that set just seemed to find its way uh, out of the house in some ways. And actually, I got tired of anyway. Uh, so that's usually the way it is with presents, isn't it? We have a lot of expectations. Um, when, when our kids were growing up, uh, we, were, we were known by our kids as the family in the neighborhood who got the modern technology last. Uh, we could not afford it when it was new, and some of it we really didn't want our kids to be around. But PlayStation was a big thing. And I remember that finally Barb and I were like, okay, we're going to get them PlayStation, but we're going to tell them there's no way we'll ever have PlayStation in our house ever. And so they were completely surprised by this. And I remember here comes PlayStation and they were just, they were cheering. My one son Gabe was like up. This was the most exciting thing in the world. They had PlayStation now. They were going to have a great time with it. And they did for a little while. But what do you think happened to PlayStation? PlayStation 2. <laughs> there was something even better Right? And isn't that the way it is in our lives, right? With gifts and things that go on. We, we live in a culture where things give us a little bit of joy, but now we're, we're moving on. We, we, we want something else. And a lot of times the joy that we have in those gifts uh, lasts a very short time. And, and, and sometimes when we get gifts that we think are going to give us a lot of joy, they don't really give us the joy we thought they were. Has that ever happened to you? But here's the thing and this is what we love about this season, is that for the most part, I know there's people who probably don't do this, but I think for the most part, gift-giving is usually an expression of love, right? It's usually a, a, it's to show we care for someone that we give them gifts, right? Um, in that expression of care and love, we want to we bring joy to someone, and that's the idea behind it. That's the behind the Christmas gift. That's the idea of giving, right? There's this wonderful thing. And I love Christmas because it, our culture itself, even in the midst of all that's going on, there's this spirit. And I still think it's, it's the Christmas spirit that there's a lot more giving taking place. And uh, it's just one of those things that we can all be a part of in many different ways. And here's the thing. When we think about Christmas, we need to think about God's gift, right? Because what Christmas does, it communicates to us the perfect love that God has in his gift to us. And it's a gift that brings unending joy. It's a joy that never ends. And, and we find this gift described in John 3.16. It's sort of the text we're going to be looking at. And, of course, many know John 3.16. It's probably the most favorite 
uh, and famous text for, for many, many people. We see it everywhere. We see it at sporting events. But let me just read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal lives. So what we see in these words of John 3.16 is that God expresses his love for the world by giving of a gift. And the gift is his one and only son. And we're going to look at this. We're going to look at it in two parts. The first part is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We're going to look at this idea of this gift that he's giving. And, and to fully grasp how amazing this gift is and the depths of love that God's expressed in the giving of this gift, we need to dig deeper into the meaning of the word world as it's meant to be interpreted by John the Apostle. Now, John doesn't use the word numerically, as in everybody. It's not a numerical concept, but it's more of a moral and ethical concept. When John uses the word world, he uses it to describe human beings who reject God. The mass of humanity saying to God, we want to be in charge of our own lives. We want to be God of our own lives. We don't want to live under your rule. We don't want to live under a king. We want to rule ourselves. And, and that's sort of the way John is, he brings it in. When he says world, this is what he's saying. And, and to bring a little bit of clarity to that, John 3, 19, just a couple verses down, says, Light has come into the world, but men and women love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. So you see, he's talking about the world that is rejecting God, rejecting him and, and choosing darkness over light because their hearts are inclined to live for their own purposes and their own glory, to make God the God of their own lives. And as a result of that, if I want something and you want it, I'm going to go after it. It's going to be, it's going to be hard. Darkness becomes out of these types of things. We see, we see people at war. We see war all over the place, people fighting one another. Jesus talks about this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Now listen to this. I do not give to you as the world gives. See, Jesus is saying he gives a peace that's solid, that's permanent, that's true. The world's peace is a counterfeit. It's an illusion. It's short-lived. Because it's based on the human heart that's all about itself. So take that concept now, and now let's look at the word so love the world with that understanding, that understanding that a love offering has been made by God. And for most of humanity, the natural inclination of a heart is to reject it. But yet this love that God is giving, this gift that he's giving is free. It's unconstrained. It's undeserved. It's unsolicited. This is how deep the love of God is for each individual. That even though we are rebelling against him, even though we're running from him, even though we're enemies to his causes and we don't look at his love as something that we want, he pursues us. And he doesn't make a list of who's naughty or nice. Some people have used the words about this love as scandalous. It's scandalous. Like, this love just doesn't make any sense. It's, 
It's like a scandal to love this way when there's no reciprocation of love. Other people have used the word, it's absurd. This love is just, it just doesn't make any sense. It's irrational. Why would you do this? Why would the God of the universe, who's created everybody, has given him an offer of love and people have refused it and pretty much said to him, sorry, thanks for creating us, but I'm going to live my own life. And yet, this love comes unconstrained, undeserved, unsolicited. So, why, when you think about this, why is this so absurd and scandalous? Because God gives us his one and only son as a gift. What makes the gift such an immeasurable expression of love, it has to do with who the son is and what the son does. God gave his son to participate in our humanity, in our human nature. It says in the scripture that he did what? That he became flesh and dwelt among us. He was born of a virgin. He was laid in a manger. He was bearing our frailty and weakness and our dependence and our vulnerability, our weariness, our sorrow, our tiredness, our pain. God gave his son to hunger and thirst, to anger and joy, to grief and loss, to trouble of soul and agony of body. God gave his son to sin-bearing so that he knew, he who knew no sin did what? He gave his son and he was made sin for us. He went to the cross and there he bore shame and he was abandoned that he might seal our pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Nothing can serve as a full, perfect explanation of this love. How much did he love? God so loved that he gave his son. He gave him to a manger. He gave him to nails driven in his hands and feet. He gave him to the grave, to the injustice of Pilate. God so loved the world that he gave his son. This love is not that we have loved God, but he has loved us first and sent his son to make a way of reconciliation and forgiveness. Listen to what Romans 5, 6 to 8 says. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for the righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the cross is the pulpit which Jesus preached God's love to the world. The cross is the pulpit in which Jesus preached God's love to the world. Think about this for a second. This is, this is truly a giving of self, right? So let's, let's think about this for a second. Um, this is an illustration I heard when I was uh, first coming up in the ministry. I heard it in, in basically the same way as I'm bringing it to you. Uh, there was a couple. They had spent a couple years in counseling. Uh, they were married. They were struggling in their marriage. There, has, uh, there was a lot of bitterness and there was pain. Um, and, and it didn't seem to be getting any better. And uh, one day in the counseling, the, the husband is just exasperated. And uh, he just says, I've given you everything. I've given you a new home. I've given you a car. I've given you clothes. And the wife responded, 
And she said, sadly, that's true. You've given me everything but yourself. What we know about Jesus and what God's gift is, he gave himself. He gave himself. There's a radical difference between giving yourself and appeasing people with things, isn't there? And we know it. I was thinking about this. I was thinking uh, a number of years ago, we went on a vacation um, to, uh, to Atlantis. It was actually a gift. Um, and we went with our whole family. And my son at that time was going out with his now wife, Katie, and she came with us. And uh, I remember thinking, like, I really, I, I, you know, they've been going out for a while. I'm wondering if my son's in love. And I'm thinking, he's too young, really, to be in love. This is ridiculous. Um, and uh, we were going on those, you know, those uh, banana boats, you know, where you, everybody sits on them and, the, you know, a speedboat gets behind it and he tries to get everybody off it by swirling around and everything. Anybody seen those? Well, here's our whole family on it. And this person's trying to knock everybody off. And, you know, we're all hanging on for dear life. Uh, and unbeknownst to me, Katie had said to AJ, because she was afraid that there was going to be barracudas in the water. She, uh, she said, if I fall, you need to jump in and get me. That means you love me. Well, she went off. And I will tell you, it wasn't a couple seconds later, my son just dove in. He didn't care what was going on. He was going to save his Katie. And it was right there and then that I knew he gave himself for her. And, and that, that was an act of love. And that, that's what Jesus has done. He's given all of himself for us, everything, to the uttermost. And I, I love what John Henry Jowett in his sermon, The Boundless Love of God, says, the quotes in your outline, holy love Crystalline love goes down and down into human necessity, and it is not afraid of the taint. Sunbeams can move among sewage and catch no defilement. The brilliant, holy love of God ministers in the deepest need. It is deeper than human sorrows and deeper than death. God's love is as long as eternity. That's the love that God has for us in the gift of his son. And, and then the scripture moves now to how do we know, how do we, how do we experience this love, and, and what's the impact of this love? And so we go to the next part of it, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever, listen to that, whoever. The offer is expansive. Everyone is included in this offer, whoever has faith, whoever trusts in Jesus, life, death, and resurrection are the full expression of God's love for us. They will not perish but have eternal life. But we know, here's what we know about human nature, and here's what God tells us in his word about human nature. The inclinations of our hearts is that we will not normally, naturally choose to trust in God's love for us. The word of God tells us that our hearts are evil and desperately wicked. That all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that although we know God from what we see, we neither glorify him or give thanks to him 
resulting in our thinking becoming futile and our foolish hearts darkened. And I think that's the picture of the world we see all around us. But listen to what Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, of the war of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Here's the words. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, here's where the key of all this is. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Through faith, that's believing. This not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of of God, not by works that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, here's the idea. His great love equals the gift of God, and the gift of God equals faith and trust. The gift is given. It's a great act. It's a sacrifice in giving the Son who then gets sacrificed for us but the greatest gift is that our hearts are turned where they naturally would not go, and the eyes of those hearts are open to believe. And this is the gift of God. I love Romans 5.5. 5. It's one of my favorite little verses, and it took me a while uh, to get past all of Romans 5 in the beginning to get to this one line. If you could put that up. I think you have it, right? There's that one line that says, because God's love, listen, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How do we know God's love? It's been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. It's been poured into our hearts. Love poured through the Holy Spirit. The knowing the love of God experientially is a sovereign, supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. We can know it in our head, but when we know it in our heart, there's a deep work of the Holy Spirit. And in that experiencing of it, it, it basically moves us, the Spirit moves us to now see what Jesus has done and see the great gift and sacrifice of Christ and it becomes so real in our hearts and our lives that it begins to change everything about us. So you often heard head and heart knowledge. Head knowledge, all of us can have. We can all, yeah, yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah, that's, I love those words. And then next week we hear something else, and we love that too. And we sort of have head knowledge. But when, it's, when that knowledge moves Deeper, when it becomes something that I experience in my heart. You know, you could go out and play sports and somebody, a coach, can tell you what to do. 
But until you're in that situation and you really do it and you experience it, there's something radically different from the head knowledge to the heart knowledge of experiencing that. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes in. But here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. It's unpredictable, like the blowing of the wind, right? Have you ever had a discussion concerning God's love and his salvation? And it seems like you've answered every objection the person brought there. You've answered it. Every misunderstanding you've been able to explain. I mean, you think you just made the perfect argument. And the person looks at you, and they're not changed at all. Anybody ever happen to you? Yeah. What's going on? There's something deeper than head knowledge. You know? I know people who have seen miracles. I know people who have seen miracles, and yet their hearts have not changed. They rationalize them away. They explain them away. And done unexpectedly, someone you least expect has the eyes of their hearts opened. I know for some, I was one of those unexpected people. As a pastor, I've seen people on their deathbed have the eyes of their hearts opened up. I've even seen my own uncle when I went and began speaking to him on his deathbed and seen the eyes of his heart opened up to believe, to trust. I've seen drug addicts, drug dealers, lifelong criminals. I've seen children. I've seen teenagers. I've seen grandparents. I've seen tribal chiefs. And I've seen the Holy Spirit come in unexpectedly, opening up the eyes of their hearts to they saw and believed How powerful is this? The gift of Christmas. Hmm. In this new belief and trust, this new faith, it says we move from perishing to eternal life. It happens both now, when we die, and when Jesus comes again with the new city and all that has been made. You see, right now, we're living in a world that's perishing, are we not? It's a world that's experiencing Perishing, it's experiencing death, it's experiencing brokenness, it's experiencing evil. You don't have to wait until you die. It's already happening because it's a world that separates itself from God. As being separated from God and living as God of our own lives, we produce the perishing because we're split, we're separated. God is no longer with us. We basically said sorry. And yet for us who believe, who had the eyes of their hearts opened up, Now the Holy Spirit comes in, and now eternal life begins to live in us. Resurrection power begins to live in us. We're able to step into heaven as we pray. We're able to live out the character of heaven, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We're able to forgive all these supernatural things we bring into the world with us. We bring eternity in because eternity is now with us and in us, and eventually we will be living forever with God in a city where there's no pain and suffering. And who knows what our lives are going to be like in the ages to come. I can't wait. But this is the love of God. This is what the love of God brings. 
no perishing. And so you see there I have this little chart, and I love the way it just breaks it down, and a good way for you maybe to remember it. Christ, God's gift unveiled for God. He's the greatest lover. He pursues. He's unconstrained. It's unsolicited. It's undeserved. He's so loved, the greatest degree. It's immeasurable, the depths of his love. The world, the greatest company for everybody. God so loved the world that he gave. That's the greatest act he gave. And who did he give? He gave his son the greatest sacrifice. Not only for him giving of his son, but giving him son to sacrifice that he would die, that we would know forgiveness and reconciliation, that we would know adoption as children of God, that we would know the blessings of heaven in our own hearts, that we would know eternal life. You see, that, that whoever, it's the greatest opportunity. It's for everybody. The offer is for everybody who believes, and this is the greatest gift, This is where the Spirit comes and opens the eyes of our hearts. And who do we believe in? In Jesus. He's the greatest attraction. We shall not perish. That's the greatest promise. But the greatest difference, have. That's a word of certainty. We will have eternal life, the greatest possession we could ever have. Amen? Take that and look at it. Pray through it. Let the Holy Spirit move in your heart these things. Two things as we, as we move to the end of this sermon on this great gift of God's love. One of the questions I think for all of us would be, how do we continue to experience this love, right? Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from this love, right? So, so it's present. Nothing can separate it from us. It's, it's rooted and established. It's something that is ours, God has come. The Spirit has opened our hearts. Christ has done what Christ needed to do. And this love is now permanent. But if you're like me, and I'm sure because I know you all and I talk with you all, there are times when that love seems pretty far away, isn't it? There are times when I don't have that sense of experiencing the love of God in my heart. Is that true for you? Life's hard. Hard things happen. And a lot of times we interpret them things as that God, for some reason, God doesn't love me anymore. But I, I, I think the evil one likes to come in and draw up these lies. But here's the thing. Even Paul himself struggle with this, and, and it's evident because he writes about it. So in, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, he says, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. But the, the text I want to look at is Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. This is a prayer to Christians for Christians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, 
being rooted and established in love. So we are rooted and established in love in Christ, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to what? Grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's ongoing. And the way that we experience this love and grow in this love is actually as we come to the Lord and as we cry out in prayer for the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives. See, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I know you guys have been hearing me the last few times I've preached to say, do you pray to the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit has a role. The Holy Spirit is the one who is to awaken our hearts to these things. Remind us of the promises of God. Take the word and make it alive in us. I pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, make this love. Let me know it. It's depth, it's height, it's width, it's length. Oh, Lord, I know it surpasses head knowledge. I know it's deeper than that. Make it real to me. In some of the hard circumstances of life, make it real that I know it. And the Holy Spirit begins to answer those prayers. I've taken a lot of teams overseas. I've probably taken over 500 people overseas, maybe even more than that, in different missions. And there's always a time where you're being called, you're being stretched, you're, you're, you're out there, you're not, you know, you're, maybe for the first time in a long while, you're not living for yourself, you're living for other people, it's your goal, it's what you're doing as a team, you're out there, you're being stretched, you're meeting people, some people are irritating, some people don't care about you, some people bring anger at you, but you're, you're going to these people. And, and there's a time when all of a sudden you're like, I can't love another person. There is no possible way. And I, I often have someone come to me and say, I've hit the wall. Like, I'm done. I can't take it. I can't love anybody else. And very simply, I'll just say, have you prayed about it? Let's go to Ephesians 1. Let's go to Ephesians 3. And let's pray through the scripture together. And we begin praying through the scripture together. And I said, why why don't you take it through the night and pray through the night? And I don't know how many times I could tell you the next morning that heart was changed. That heart was willing to go out, was willing to sacrifice its time and its effort and energy, was willing uh, to even maybe have some scorn. And that heart was ready to reach out again. Because the Spirit renewed that love. The Spirit renewed that love. Because it is the love of the Holy Spirit. It's the love that God has. It now compels us. It moves us out. So if right now you're not experiencing God's love, what a means of grace He's given us that we can take some of these scriptures and pray them to the Holy Spirit to do that. So that I can rest in that love. Now, here's why it's really important to rest in that love. It's the second thing 
You see, not only are we called to know this love, but we're called to love others in the same way God loved us. We're called to love others in the same way God loves us. So 1 John 4, 7 to 11, let me just read it to you. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Do you see, if, if that love, if the love of God is in me, and I'm living out of that love, then I am going to share that love, right? If I'm living in anger, what are you going to hear from me? You're going to hear anger. If there's bitterness in my heart, it's going to impact every one of my relationships. I'm going to look at you through a bitter root. But if I'm filled with God's love, then the way I'm going to interact with you is out of the very love that God has for people that he had for us. Now, this is very powerful because this is love that changes things, right? So I can tell you that when I went Barb, uh, I was a bartender. She was a waitress. We were both very far from the Lord. We began a relationship. We began growing, and we began growing in love for one another. And as I trusted Barb's love for me, I began to change my life. My life began to change. I wanted to do things differently. I didn't want to continue to do drugs. I didn't want to continue to do different things in my life. And then when Barb became a Christian, prior to my becoming a Christian, I saw an amazing change in her, and I saw her countenance change, and I saw the way she handled situations change. And and it was her love that opened me up to, I would say, God's love. Because I was willing at that point, I was vulnerable enough, I was willing to take the risk to be loved by the God of the universe. And it was the Holy Spirit that came in, of course, that did that in my life. But here's the thing. Like in a heart, because basically the scripture says, the heart is what? It's like a stone. It's hard, right? Um, he could turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. How does that happen, right? Liken it to an iceberg. You know, people have tried to do all kinds of things to get icebergs to crack, to make them, you know, shorter, to, to basically uh, manipulate an iceberg, but it's hard to, right? They, they used to get drills. They used to do run ships into them. But here's the thing. What is the most effective way, especially because the iceberg is mainly under, the most effective way to lessen an iceberg, and of course we're seeing it in these days, is when the Gulf Stream goes far enough that the warmth of the water begins to do what? 
begins to melt the iceberg. And when we live out the love of God in our culture, in our families, in our neighborhoods, and I'm not saying it's a one-time deal, right? Oh, I love that person. I did that one thing for them. They didn't respond. No, it's love that becomes a lifestyle because the love of Christ is in us. It's the ongoing love, just like the warm waters around the iceberg begins to melt a person's heart. And in that melting of the heart, the Holy Spirit comes in and does the work that only the Holy Spirit can do. What would our world be like? What would our world be like if even the people of God begin to live a lifestyle more of love? What would it be like in our families? What would it be like in our neighborhoods? You see, this is the gift of Christmas. This is God's love. God's love is not intended to be kept by myself, but his love is intended to be shared for everyone to know. A love, a love that's so deep, it includes everyone. A love so sacrificial that God would give his only son to come and die that we might know forgiveness and reconciliation and a relationship with God that moves us out of perishing and into eternal life. If you're here today and you've never known that love, this is the moment to ask. The Holy Spirit might even in this moment be talking to you. That's what happened to me. I was at a service and I heard a sermon, and it was in that moment the Spirit opened up the eyes of my heart, and I went back to our house, I went into my bedroom, and I came out born again. What an amazing gift that God can give you today. The Spirit of God is moving here. I don't know how young you are or how old you are, but your heart is moved by the Spirit and you can come, you can bring your heart to the Lord, you can say, Lord, I have been living my life as God of my own life. There are things I have done. I need forgiveness and reconciliation. I want to have a relationship with you. And that Holy Spirit has opened you up to know forgiveness and reconciliation. So in a moment, I'm going to ask us to pray. And maybe for some of you, this is your prayer. This is your moment where this Christmas love will become real in your heart. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you just, just haven't experienced that love in such a way for a long, long time. Well, maybe this is the time you take those words of Ephesians 3 as we go into a time of prayer and pray them and then take them over the next number of days and keep praying them out that the love of God would fill your heart and maybe for all of us, as we step into Christmas Eve and Christmas with family and friends and neighbors, we pray that God's love would live in and through us in all the different relationships we're going to experience over the next couple of days. So I'm going to ask you now to take a moment before the Lord and pray as the Holy Spirit is leading you, and I'll close us in prayer.